Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody. Tuesday edition is here. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Big show plan. Danon Hughes is going to join us in hour number two. Chiefs radio analyst will head to Kansas City. We'll get the latest on Patrick Mahomes, the high ankle sprain. Discuss the upcoming matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals for the AFC Championship game and why the Bengals have had so much success in defending this Chiefs offense. Again, Dana joins us in about an hour and 15 minutes from now. David Hookstead from Outkick.com will be with us. We're going to chat with him about the Big Ten commissioner search, which has been very quiet. Yes, it has. Strangely quiet for the biggest job in college sports, potentially, second only to the SEC and what Greg Sankey has done. Um, we'll get into that with David Hookstead. That's in hour number three. And Clayton Safey on three sports. The Wolverine Rider joins us later in the show. We'll discuss everything going on in Ann Arbor with Jim Harbaugh returning and the saga with Matt Weiss and why he's out as co-offensive coordinator. What happened behind the scenes with computer crimes and allegations and the NCAA inv- investigation that's ongoing. Chad, good afternoon. So the Big Ten... Good afternoon, Hutton, by the way. Yes. Um, the Big Ten, the whole search being quiet, is that because it's being run just by the collective presidents that hire the next commissioner yeah. and they're good about you know not having leaks come out of it? Or could it be that it just doesn't mean more, like the SEC? I feel like if this is the SEC, no, we'd know a lot more about it. I feel like, though, like they've known they were going to move on whenever they didn't offer Kevin Warren the, the extension. Right, the the raise. There has to be a short list of names. Yeah, so I they think want. they know. And who are they waiting on? Like that. That's what we'll dive into with David yeah. Hookstead today. Um, certainly, we knew this was coming to lead the show. Not necessarily today, but we knew that the Tennessee Volunteers were going to pay Josh Heupel, their head coach, and a big bump in pay. How? Well, you can compare his salary to what we've seen from Shane Beamer, what uh, the uh, Missouri Tigers have done. Uh, with Drinkwitz today, it's official through the university that the Tennessee Volunteers have given Hypo a raise $9 million annually is the value of the contract. He's now paid around 6th to 5th in the SEC. So he's now tied. I think this all makes perfect sense, yes, by the way, when yes. you look at the breakdown. He's tied with Lane Kiffin at $9 million a year. He's behind only Kirby Smart. Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher. So those are the top four. And then you've got Kiffin and Heupel tied at fifth. Makes sense. If I was going to tell you about a hierarchy in the, in the SEC and where guys, I mean, we could argue Jimbo Fisher in this list, but where they should be paid based on prior experience and success and what, plus what they've done at their programs, that list makes perfect sense for me. I love this quote from Danny White, the athletics director at Tennessee. And you can read this at Trey Wallace's post 
at OutKick.com. He says, despite a brief period of dormancy, Tennessee never surrendered its status as a college football powerhouse. We just needed an innovative leader like Josh Heupel to reignite the spark. It's been fun to crash the party. But as Josh said, after the Orange Bowl triumph, the best is yet to come. Terrific quote from Danny White. We never surrendered our status as a college football powerhouse. We just went through a brief period of dormancy. Is how he well, said it. Consider what they've done in the short amount of time, Chad, where Heupel is hired by Danny White, and it's, oh, he just went and got the guy from the university he was at because that's all they could get at the time. Tennessee had to settle. But whatever the, the excuses were, both from the fan base, from the media, uh, outside looking in 30,000-foot view. We have now fast-forwarded two years, and he's won 18 games. The offense has scored 1,110 points, and they just gave him a $5 million raise next season off of this year. And they're restructuring all of the assistant coaches, too. That was also announced. I think the only two people who had these expectations for Josh Heupel, the only two people I can say that their expectations were not exceeded by Josh Heupel so far, may be Danny White and Josh Heupel that are just that confident in what they're doing. Because everyone else, whether you're a Tennessee fan or you're just an outside observer, no one saw this coming. That was a hire that just got a collective sigh when it happened. Yeah, It was, like you said, Danny White going back to hire his guy. That was an easy fix that he hired at Central Florida at UCF, and now he's going to be Tennessee's head coach. And he is over-delivered based on expectations. So, look, people might argue, oh, that's too much. It's that coaching salaries are out of whack. The power dynamic I've talked about a lot in college sports is way too heavily favored with the coach of these big programs. But with the market where it is, this is fair. This is going right. $9 million a year is about where Josh Heupel should be based on the list of SEC coaches that he's around at that, at that mark. And now he's also signed through 2029, which is a big part of this. It's, a, it's more length on the contract as well. Yep, and it... Again, makes total sense. Salaries are only going up. The buyouts are what they are. He certainly got one. If he's fired before the end of the year in 2025, 100% of his remaining contract is due his way. So, And this is a contract that goes through now 2029, reading this at, at VolQuest with the, with the money and the structure to this. The, the bonuses basically remain the same as well for reaching certain milestones on the season. Um, but all of the momentum is with Josh Heupel and Tennessee football based on everyone's chasing Georgia. And we know how they've matched up recently with Alabama. So, you know, this is also, a, and Alabama does this uh, on the routine. They replace a coach with another solid coaching hire and they move on and they get better. Uh, if If they don't get better, they stay exactly the same, which is great anyway. But, Nick Saban officially will be looking for two new coordinators, offense and defense. We'll dive into specifically who those might be a bit later in the show. But today, Bill O'Brien, he's the new offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. Really the worst kept secret going whenever that season ended. And we knew that Bill O'Brien was open to the possibility of returning to the NFL. There are only a handful of connections you could make. One was here in Tennessee with Mike Vrabel, but the obvious one was returning to New England and revamping an offense that was not your modern-day NFL offense with the way they went about it last year. It was bizarre. 
This is the most obvious move. It makes total sense. Just like giving Hypo the raise, Bill O'Brien, OC, New England, working with Mac Jones. This actually helps your young quarterback that you invested in. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's good for all sides. And not that Bill O'Brien did a bad job as offensive coordinator at Alabama. Their offense was terrific. But it's a good fresh start for Alabama. I kind of joke that this is sort of the Mormon mission trip of college football stints. Bill O'Brien set out to, to do two years, two-year stint with Nick Saban at Alabama, and that's what he did. He fulfilled that commitment, and now he's headed back to the NFL for Bill Belichick. Obviously makes a ton of sense for the Patriots, given their dysfunction with the weird decision from Belichick this year to bring back a proven guy that he trusts to be the offensive coordinator. That's a no-brainer for the Patriots. And now all eyes turn towards Tuscaloosa with the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator uh, spots to fill. There's a lot of talk about Cliff Kingsbury. Everything I've read and seen, Cliff Kingsbury has no interest at all in going back to college. He considers himself an NFL coach now, and he does not want to get back in the rat race of college football. He wants to get a coordinator job in the NFL. And and consider, too, uh, O'Brien and the culture at Alabama and the culture at New England are very similar. Oh, yeah. And I, I think Mac Jones it, originally... you know, Well, Nick he, Saban learned a lot of that from Bill Belichick. Yeah. In his time with yeah, him. So. You're right. Yeah, but the, the, the reported reaction from Mac Jones was he's looking forward to working with Coach O'Brien and that according to one source close to Jones, the Patriots quarterback is very excited about this change. Um, this is from uh, Mass Live up in New England with Mark Daniels. I don't know how he couldn't be given the fact that he had a defensive-minded coach and a special teams coach working with him for year two after Josh McDaniels, who had been there for a decade, bolted for the head coaching job finally with the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, he was in no man's land this year. That offense was inept. And if you're not going to invest in your second-year quarterback with someone that's going to develop him, I don't know what you're doing. It's a total head-scratcher. This can get him back on track. This can be more of the New England-style offense we were used to seeing, which was, and a lot of it, a lot of it was Brady. But in the golden era of New England Patriots football, they could show up one week and run it 40 times. The following week, they could throw it 40 times. And I think that's what they're trying to get back to. They've got to address wide receiver. They've got two talented tight ends who can't stay healthy. And they've got to put more weapons in the backfield around Jones. For a guy in Mac Jones that in early December was caught on camera screaming, throw the effing ball yes. at his uh, coordinator, coordinators, I'm not exactly sure what was going on there, but when he's seen screaming that to now fast forward to this, this has to feel like manna from heaven for Mac Jones. And consider This Chad is such an upgrade for his possibility to prosper as an NFL quarterback because right now I've got huge questions and now the questions of, was it Mac Jones? Was it dysfunction with offensive coordinator and play calling? Or injuries? around? What, what, what is going on there? We're going to have that answer now. Because he's got a legitimate offensive coordinator, offensive mind that's going to do everything in his power to help his quarterback. That is what Bill O'Brien is known for. Being adaptable to his quarterback and figuring out the best plan for him. We're about to find out if Mac Jones is an NFL caliber starting quarterback for 10 to 15 years. I think we're going to find out this year now that he's got Bill O'Brien to work with. And I don't, I mean, 
there's no reason why we shouldn't already put him in the category of guys that can win games, but they're not great, right? Like Daniel Jones is a great example. The New York Giants apparently want him back in the mix, and rightfully so based on the way he played. He was excellent this year. But by no means would we put Daniel Jones in the upper shelf or hierarchy of NFL quarterbacks. But with the right talent mix around him and the right coaching, Brian Dayball, you're going to get the most and maximize the talent that you've invested in, and you can win games. The Patriots, for whatever we want to say about how inept they were on offense, they were a game out of the postseason. They were right there at the final week of the regular season needing a win to get in. Now, they had to play Buffalo to do that. But despite how bad that offense was at times, they were still winning games with their formula. So I still I think Belichick's got a lot left in the tank to get back to their winning ways. But last year was just odd. And I think Robert Kraft had a lot to do with this move. They met right after the regular season ended. And right after that, they had the presser where Belichick said, yeah, I'm coming back for a 26th year. And we're going to explore all options on offense. It was really the worst-kept secret going that this was going to happen, uh, really up until you realized Bill O'Brien wasn't going to get a look as a head coach. Once that happened, I mean, I, I think everyone put two and two together and said, oh, this is a perfect reunion for Bill O'Brien to go back to the Patriots and work with Bill Belichick again, especially given the state of the Patriots franchise, a franchise that's in des- desperate need of offensive leadership. And now Bill Belichick has that again, and his guy, Bill O'Brien, I think it's the perfect fit for what that organization needs right now. Now we start to speculate about the perfect fit for what Alabama needs and their next offensive coordinator. Yep, and uh, going back to Daniel Jones, he's about to get the contract extension. I don't see him with the franchise tag, the exclusive franchise tag. Be around $33, $34 million. He just wrapped up the four-year contract. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So he just wrapped up a four-year, $25.4 million deal. And he cashed in in a year where they tried to push the envelope a bit, throwing the football. They found a run game. They protected him well. And he made the most of it. I think he's a, a guy to invest in. And had you asked me this in September or October, I'd say there's no way. You know, he feels like a Carolina Panther to me. And now there's no doubt he's a New York Giant. What was, stays. what was the deal that Lamar was reportedly offered, Lamar Jackson, and turned down $133 million? Fully guaranteed. $133 fully guaranteed? Yeah, it was, it was upwards of that. We know why he turned that down, because that pales in comparison to Deshaun Watson, and he's going to shoot for Deshaun Watson-type money. Right. Um, I saw that number, though, Hutton, and I immediately thought, that's what Daniel Jones should get <laughs> in a perfect world. What Lamar Jackson was offered that he turned down, that to me makes sense for Daniel Jones to lock him up long-term. It was more in that range than what Lamar Jackson is going to get. I don't think Lamar Jackson is getting what Deshaun Watson got, quite frankly. I don't think any team is going to act as desperately as the Browns did with that deal, but he's going to get something more in the middle of what the Ravens offered to what Deshaun was getting. I think that's a deal that that could make sense for Daniel Jones. Bottom line is, th- this is the right move for the Giants right now. Th- th- this is a guy you can win with. I think he, I think he showed that this year. Him paired with Brian Dayball, that's that's a winning combo. That's that's what we found out this past year with the Giants and with Daniel Jones. I think it's the right move. It was Ryan Clark that put out the financials of what Lamar Jackson was offered. So um, Clark said, based on a source of knowledge of the negotiations, 
Lamar was initially offered 113 million in guarantees. Eventually, they raised that to 133, and that was the final thing before they cut things off. Lamar did with his deadline of playing. Uh, I've seen talk about the, uh, the Raven. Michael on the YouTube page, by the way, says uh, 131, which you mentioned. Kyler Murray got 180 plus guaranteed in Arizona with his new deal, and he's saying Lamar would probably want to get that if Kyler Murray got that. Well, Lamar Jackson deserves better than that. Are the years exactly the same? Don't know. I mean, again, that, I think it's just looking at just the guaranteed, you know, money, signing bonus, whatever on it. Yeah, but it, or, um, even if the, I just need to know if the, the it, what same it is offer per year. Right. Per year. Um, and if he's, if you're getting more in Arizona, Lamar turned that down. Lamar's representing himself. I'm rooting for the guy because he has a chance to break the mold of what guys in the NFL are getting. The NFL collective bargaining agreement is completely one sided when it comes to guarantees. And if you get cut, you're not getting the remainder of your deal. That's not the same when you start looking around at Major League Baseball or uh, other major league organizations, NBA, where you sign your deal and you're locked into that. And only Deshaun Watson has that type of money. It got to a point, though, based on the injury, the only way I thought he was going to get what he was demanding was to return, which he didn't, return and take the Baltimore Ravens on the Super Bowl run. It got down to that, and he didn't do it. I do think Baltimore wants to keep him. I've seen people discuss like trading him. The thing about Lamar Jackson, though, Chad, if you trade for him, you're going to give him what he's looking for in terms of this cash. So be it. You can choose to do that. He's also a player, though, that you have to completely revamp for. You have to build everything around him. And that's what Baltimore and Ozzie Newsom drafted him to do. They've done that, and when healthy, he's as dynamic of an NFL player as you're going to find. But if you trade for him, you're giving him the guaranteed. That's at least my assumption. I don't know why he would agree to do something that he's not willing to do in Baltimore by accepting that trade. And, you know, he's, he's also content just playing on the tag and getting uh, tagged twice and basically making what Kirk Cousins made on the three-year, $85 million deal he signed originally to go from Washington to Minnesota. I, I, we can start to speculate more and more years. about this. about Because I agree with you on the, the setup of the team and the build of the team being complimentary around Lamar Jackson. Are there rosters that really work better for him if he were to join? Because you're right, Hutton, in that it's a huge monetary commitment to bring him in. You're going to give him the guaranteed money he wants to trade for him or bring him in while also acknowledging it's a slight, maybe not even slight, depending on the roster, retooling of the offense around to fit what he does. That's why Lamar Jackson is worth more in Baltimore than anyone else. I mean, to me, he's going to worth a lot anywhere, but he's worth more to Baltimore. That is where he should get his money because they have built around him and it is set up for immediate success if he's healthy. The biggest question mark about Lamar Jackson is he has missed back-to-back Decembers and Januaries with injury. That's an issue. That's what everyone has to assess. Yep. And the last time he was healthy, he had his first playoff win, and we haven't seen him in the postseason since because of that injury history. But, but here's why you bring him back if you're the Ravens. You just ask yourself, is he a franchise quarterback or not? The answer is yes. And if you start going down the list of NFL starters, there are not many that you can say that definitively about. And he's one of them. And he has the MVP already under his belt from 2018, 19. Mahomes won it in 18. And then J. 
Jackson was unanimous in 2019. Hit us up with your thoughts. Outkick 360. Speaking of MVPs, GOATs, champions, Tom Brady. He's tired of something and tired of being asked this one particular thing about his offseason. We'll play you what he had to say on the Let's Go podcast. And we'll also compare it to what Aaron Rodgers has said about his future in Green Bay or beyond. That's all next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Chiefs radio analyst Danon Hughes will join us in less than an hour. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Tom Brady is tired of being asked about the future, and... He goes on weekly with the Let's Go podcast with Tom Brady, Jim Gray, Larry Fitzgerald. And he and Jim have a great relationship. They all, Even with Westwood One for halftime of the Monday night football game, they would have these conversations. They've turned it into a podcast. But I think everyone expects Tom Brady to play. The question is where. But Jim Gray, to begin the podcast, was trying to let Tom say whether or not he's going to lead us on down this path like we went on last year. Tom, you're leaving everybody guessing. Uh, you said you'll take your time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh, regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to fucking do, I'd have already fucking done it. Okay, I'm taking it a day at a time. I sense you're antagonized by the question. <laughs> You're scratching. It's only the question that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. I appreciate you asking. Thank you. There's Brady on his own (laughs) podcast. What a terrific response from Brady. And a very Brady-like response uh, in in the moment. I'm sure that they spoke beforehand and Jim said, I've got to ask you the question. You can answer it however you want. And that was his response to it, which um, which was terrific and perfectly Brady in the moment. And I believe him. He has no clue. What he's going to do next? This was this was the process a year ago. It was late January, early February, maybe mid February, when that rushed announcement of a retirement happened, where Adam Schefter scooped Tom Brady's announcement of him retiring, and then it lasted what a month before he decided he wasn't done and he was going to come back. 
So I think Brady is going to do the smart thing and take even more time to decompress, figure out where he's at physically, mentally, all of those things, and then decide on what to do next. Yeah, and I th- look, I, I think he, he's playing. I don't see him going out that way with the way they played against Dallas. I don't think he's playing in Tampa again, but I think he's playing next season. He's making another run at the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know why you go through the offseason and the regular season you just had to just hang it up now. I don't either. And, and uh, But he can't say it like that. He's got a survey. He, he will know exactly where he's going before he announces he's back. Hutton, I feel as if Tom Brady, he's going to have to be. I don't, I don't want to be overly morbid here or anything, but at 45 years old, he is going to have to either win another Super Bowl and leave from that podium to retire mm-hmm. as champion, or he's going to have to be physically knocked out of football. The injury is going to have to. Knock there's going to have to be such a bad injury or something yeah. recurring where he's just like, I can't physically stand and drop back and pass anymore because I'm I'm physically done with the game or the game is done with me. Right? He's not going to willfully leave losing as badly as he did at home in the playoffs. It's just not in his DNA. I refuse to believe it. Even when he lost last year, they had the big comeback against the Rams. They lose at home in the playoffs a year ago. It wasn't a terrible exit if you're Tom Brady. It's not like you're leaving the game in shame. He can't do that anyways with what he's always accomplished. It's not going to happen. But it feels like he sort of wants that, and he's done more than Peyton Manning, but that Peyton Manning moment where Peyton Manning is one of the rare guys who won a Super Bowl in his final game. I mean, that's the way to... That's the exit strategy right there, right? Is you walk away Super Bowl champion with a second team. Peyton Manning was able to do that. Brady's already won rings with two different teams. I think he's going for a third with a third team to win a Super Bowl with a third team. And if it doesn't happen, he is simply going to have to be knocked out physically of, of playing. I think that's the, the decision will have to be made for him is the best way I can describe that. Aaron Rodgers has his own decision here, and so do the Packers. According to Schefter, and uh, the tweet you were showing me earlier, Chad, the Packers are exploring options to trade him, but will not be doing that within the conference. They're going to trade him, if they choose to do so, to an AFC opponent, not an NFC opponent. Uh, with that in mind, there are only a handful of clubs that make sense. But Schefter says they will explore the idea of trading the quarterback exclusively to the AFC. Peter King puts in his column that the Pack want at least two first-round picks for Rodgers and that the Jets would be the ownership group that's going to give up those picks. They would pay the price to bring in Aaron Rodgers uh, the same way we saw Brett Favre end up with the New York Jets as well. I, I think he's playing somewhere else next year. I, I thought both would play and both were going to be playing elsewhere last year. Rodgers has got a steep contract. It would need to be restructured again if he's going to stay because he's got to make room. If the Packers are going to help improve things around him, they're going to have to have the cap space to do so in the offseason. You can say the cap's a myth or whatever. Well, I mean, in many ways, the Rams have shown us it can be, but you have to structure certain contracts that give you areas to pick and choose where you want to pay guys and win. And the Packers are up against it. They don't have a ton of money, and they got rid of Devontae Adams because they couldn't pay both because they were paying their quarterback $50 million. 
I think Aaron Rodgers in a Raiders uniform makes a lot of sense with, with that team and what they could do. And I understand the Packers are in a spot. They're in a, they're in a position of strength now. They, they weren't that when this all started, when Rodgers was so pissed off at the front office that he really held the purse strings with everything that was going to happen because he was going to get what he wanted because the Packers were in a tough spot knowing they were in a Super Bowl window and that they've got their elder statesman quarterback playing at an MVP level. Now that it fell apart this year and they didn't make the playoffs, I think the Packers regain a little bit of control in what they want to do moving forward. And I also believe, Hutton, that they are in a spot where Brady and that organization are working well together. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, that also means a clean break. I think there's open dialogue and discussion about, hey, what makes sense for you? What makes sense for us? And Brady wanting to do sort of the unselfish thing also and make it work for all parties. Just like, hey, I, we're not going to probably win the Super Bowl here next year where we are. I, I really have a few years left, maybe two, maybe three, maybe one. I'd like to go somewhere where I can win a Super Bowl. Can we try to work that out and, and do things in a way that ends up being advantageous for both sides? I don't think Brady's some guy out there trying to wreck the Green Bay Packers, you know, but that's his team. No matter what, he's going to be a Green Bay Packer. He can go somewhere and play for two years. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, sorry. Who did I say? Brady. Sorry. Yeah, Brady's contract but once voids. Once I get Brady's beautiful face on the mind, yeah. I can't get it out of my Brady's out of contract my voids March 15th and – yeah, they, I'm, I'm saying with Rodgers, Rodgers has got it. I think when they met right after the season, I think it's based on these reports. It's like, look, if you want out, now's the time we're going to get out. Yes. And just let us facilitate. We're not going to do this within the NFC. We're not trading you to Carolina. Right. Right. That, that, that's my point is I think the Packers have taken back some power because of his contract set up and where they are. I think both sides are going to work together with another team. That's the perfect landing spot. Is my point. My get my guess is, looking at the AFC, if Schefter's report is correct, and they're not going to deal with the NFC, which the Packers have that right to put that out there and try to work that out, may not work. Two teams that make the most sense, obviously Raiders, Jets. Um, I brought this up before the show when the story dropped. You brought up another team that's got a new GM that may be looking to go in oh, a different here. direction based on yeah, with the Titans and. Again, like the Brady connection with Vrabel, I know Rodgers also respects Vrabel the same way. Vrabel respects them. Uh, He's closer to Tom Brady, uh, where he's going to the Kentucky Derby with him and all that. But look, these guys, while in theory I'm not writing it off because you can change a lot in the offseason, there have to be pieces in place for these guys to just drop in and go win the way they're expected to go win. The Jets are the Jets are right there. I think we overlook New York because of the way their quarterback play has been. They've got a great defense full of young talent. They have a run game that's you know hobbled midway through the season that's coming back and should be a hundred percent. And on the outside, you've got multiple weapons, um, including Garrett Wilson, who is in line to potentially claim offensive player of the year. Uh, if it's not him, it's Kenneth Walker the third out in Seattle. So, I mean that the Jets make plus plus you have Allen who has said um, we're going to go out and we're going to pay whatever is necessary for a veteran quarterback in the market. That would be the price tag: two first round picks, 
maybe you can get it for a first and a second and add something on the back end. But to me, there's only a handful of teams, maybe two or three, that make sense for both of those guys. Yeah, offensive for, for line the, for the goal also of competing for a Super Bowl for Rodgers. Yes. You got to have the offensive line and a run game in in place. The Packers made their run with a win and in scenario, not because Rodgers started clicking all this, you know, like, like uh, the the old school Packers throwing the football over the fields because they got their run game going. They averaged both that both AJ Dillon and with Aaron Jones. So the Raiders and Jets are in a great position for both of them. Uh, who you got to pick one, Hutton? Who should go more all in to get Rodgers right now for a let's say a two year stretch? The Jets, the Jets, because I the the dynamic between McDaniel's and Rodgers to me, it's McDaniel's it offense could be tricky. If he goes to New York, he's going to have they're they're going to hire a new offensive coordinator. They just fired uh, Matt, Mike Lafleur, who is Lafleur. He's uh, Matt's brother is likely to end up back in Los Angeles with McVeigh. At least that's the talk. But you have a new play caller and you have a defensive minded head coach and Robert Sala. So I think that fits the vibe more. So just perfect scenario since we're talking Brady and Rodgers. You think Rodgers, we're playing uh, musical chairs here, Rodgers, Jets, Brady, reunion with McDaniels in Vegas, or Brady to Miami, straight down whatever that interstate is from Tampa to Miami? Yeah, I mean, Miami jumped out and said, Tua's our guy. You know, that that's the intriguing part of all of it is they went back in and said, yeah, we expect Tua when he's 100% next year to be just fine. I don't know how you go into the offseason that quickly knowing that. See, I'm, I'm asking – I know what Miami said. I'm asking you if I'm Miami and I'm, no, yeah. and I'm Brady. What, oh. What's the better – so now, okay, we've put Rodgers with the Jets. Now it's Brady, perfect. It's the, it's the, the movie that's nominated for an Oscar, Triangle of Sadness, that Brooke told me about watching. I didn't know anyone had seen this film. Uh, this depressing. is the opposite of the Triangle of Sadness. It's the Triangle of Joy. Okay. You've got Brady on one part of the triangle, the Dolphins on the other, and the Raiders on the other. Two sides will be happy of this triangle. Where should Brady go and what team should want him the most for immediate impact and Super Bowl potential? I mean... It, it's a tough question. Putting him back in the AFC East with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell... Yes. That's what I would do. And a, and a pretty salty Look, defense that gets after the quarterback. Yeah, uh, changing of their defensive staff. I, To me, Rodgers fits the Miami offense perfectly. I love it. But I'm, I not, got you I'm, not, trading I love away, it. I'm not trading away the full draft no, if no. I'm Miami. Again, we're, we're playing uh, when perfect. You can, sign, you can just sign Brady. Yeah, I, we're so. playing perfect matchmaker here of, of what, you know, for next year, what would be the most interesting scenario. The best spot next year for Brady is San Francisco. That that's would, that's the that's the formula for what he's looking for. Run game yes. to help him. Offensive line, great safety net, and George Kittle. Yeah, for a guy who wants to get rid of the ball quick and not take many hits. And a top defense. And an innovative coach who's going to be creative with the run game. That's going to help Brady out. And a dude that you know, once you get into crunch time, given a chance, he's going to go win. And Tom Brady. I, I like that. I like that as well. I, I'm with you. You've convinced me on uh, the Aaron Rodgers part of it. 
Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is my top option of what I want to see happen. And if, if, of the AFC Of the teams. AFC options. I'd love to yeah. see him here in Nashville. Just uh, as a fan of action, as a fan of making moves, boy, that would be – you want to talk about a statement from Rand Carthon if one of his first moves was to trade for well, Aaron Rodgers. But also consider, too, like uh, the, the Brady angle of it. I mean, to me on paper, it doesn't make sense here. Uh, because, again, I, I don't think it's the same type of team. It would be ranked pretty low on a list of about five or six. But Vrabel had that comment about those 8, eight o'clock to 4.30 players. That immediately changes if you've got Tom Brady here. I, I, I agree The attention with you. to detail changes. I agree. With you. Let, let me be clear, too, because I've got the YouTube chat fired up. Someone was saying, you know, I don't want to see Brady go out on a stretcher. Or on a golf cart. Now, I'm not saying I want to see that happen. My point was, Tom Brady is built so different mentally. Yeah. His his psyche is so different from most normal humans. Even most normal humans that play professional sports, he's a different level of that. That if he is at all physically able, he's just not going to give it up. He's not going to give up the opportunity to compete, be a part of a team, and do that. I'm saying that the way he's wired, I mean, we saw it this past year when he decided to come back and everything that happened after that, the way he's wired, he may be the type of guy that just physically has some sort of injury or recurring injury where he has no choice, right? He is physically retired from the game. He doesn't retire. He's been physically retired because of something that happens. Injury-wise, age-wise, that's just the way he is. That's a compliment I'm giving him. I'm not saying I hope that happens, that's just what I think with Brady. He's not going out like this. That's all to say he's not going out a blowout home loser in the wild card round of the Cowboys with the season that he had. And there's also a perception that because he gets the ball out fast, he's old and he can't throw down the field anymore. He can. Guess who had the fastest release and uh, the quickest to get the ball out of the pocket this year? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yep. I don't know where I read that, but I was reading that after the Bills game, how quickly he was getting rid of it. Faster than any player in the league. But because Brady gets it out in less than two seconds, he's washed up old and he he can't stand in the pocket anymore. That's just the game. And you pair him with the right offensive line in a run game that actually gives you some type of threat um, instead of him breaking his own record for most pass attempts in a single season consecutive years. I think the guy goes and wins another Super Bowl. I don't put it past him. Hit us up with your thoughts at OutKick360. Chad, coming up. Also, I don't put a pass to close out this discussion. Both guys. Oh, yeah. I'm not giving up on either guy right now to go win another Super Bowl or win another MVP like Aaron Rodgers said. Yeah, that's what he wants, right? Yep. Uh, Saban's replacing both coordinators. We'll give some thoughts on who he may be looking for for the Crimson Tide. But when we come back, um, an interesting way to not have to pay for groceries. This one woman has a great plate. Maybe Chad... You know, Matty Ice in here could I don't, use this. I don't think this advice. plan would work for me. And I'll no, explain. for Matty Ice. Oh, for Matt? Yeah. I think we should propose this plan. He's a he's an attractive man. We'll explain. That's what it takes to get free groceries. That's yeah. an action I can 360.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up in about 30 minutes, Danon Hughes will join us, the analyst for the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Looking forward to that. Chat, um, a woman went on six dates a week, and she says she didn't have to buy groceries for two years by doing this. This was her uh, plan to save money. She's making roughly 95 grand a year, but living in New York, it wasn't great wasn't feasible to go around and you know try to purchase groceries all the time and actually live affordably um but she says she saved about 150 dollars a week between 2016 and 2018 and she didn't buy groceries once but saving 150 dollars a week i'm thinking those are some cheap dates man like you go six days a week for 150 bucks that's not like to me that's not saving all that much yeah, well, a couple things. One, I don't think she eats that much. If it's just the date that's supplying the grocery list for yeah. you, like you're, we work with an engineer who you know ate once a day. Maybe that's kind of her plan. She eats one big meal a day, so mm-hmm. she gets taken out on dates and and does it that way. The other thing is, I read this headline and thought this has to already be optioned by Netflix for a series. This is fascinating when they put based on a true story, and it's some woman who got on dating apps or did whatever to not have a grocery bill as a comedy (laughs) and then all the dates she goes on and then how do you get clearly in this there's like a once a week date that she goes on with the same guy or multiple guys during the week and keeping the dates in order in line all of that fascinates me um and then you know you'd have to if it's going to be some sort of rom-com i don't know that this happened for her but it's got to be some tie-in where she meets the love of her life in this two-year period, you know, it ends with her, with the guy of her dreams as one of the guys that she went on these, you know, hundreds of dates with to, in order to not pay a grocery bill. This also reminds me of the story. Like, it, There are a few areas where you can do absolutely nothing. It takes effort to do absolutely nothing but make money. Um, the guy who lived homeless for a full calendar year to see how much money he could make at the street corner. And he made like over 80 grand in cash because he was able to calculate like how many times the light would turn red, how many stops, what he would average per stop days of the week, weather related. And he made like 80 grand tax free by just acting like he was homeless on the street corner, not holding down a job, just standing there. Incredible. So Haley, who's one of our producers, is probably the dating app expert because I joked that she must have interest or some sort of ownership in one dating oh, yeah, app that she always posts about. Yeah. Um, but the question would be, could Matty Ice, who's another one of our producers, could he pull this off? Um, Where the as, woman buys his food? As a cute guy, if you, one of the things you said in your bio on the dating app was, will not pay for dinner. <laughs> If if you're if no, you're, that's Matt, not gonna work. you're an attractive guy, you're on a dating app. Are there enough women that would respond to will not pay for dinner and say, you know, I like this guy's honesty. 
maybe someone who's saying, you know, they're like, hey, I'm for, you know, equality amongst men and women and all that. I like a guy who says he's not going to pay. I'll gladly go on one date with this guy and I'll pay. Can you piece together? This is what Matt should try. Can you piece together enough the dates date. of women who will actually agree to that to where Matt could go? I'm not going to say two years. That's impossible, like this woman did. But could he go a month? Could he go six months? Chad, finding enough takers to do using that? Using that post, I don't think he could go a week without being blindfolded and handcuffed to a bedpost. That's <laughs> okay. Yes. Guy, he's beaten. He, he would be submissive. Yes. Uh, based on that requirement there of would buying be some, the hamburger for dinner. There'd be some like fuzzy handcuffs involved, you're <laughs> saying, in a, in a blindfold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I could definitely but, see hey, that happening too. That's, that's cool. Like if it's worth a free meal. Whatever. I mean, I, I'm fascinated with if you actually put that out there, just the responses, or the matches he would have. Because you're right. You're on to something. Like, you're going to probably get into a world of uh, d- well, dom- from dominatrix. The, well, from the... Is from that the, the term? Right. Yes. But, like, from the, from the male perspective, the, the guy's not able to pull this off. This is hot girl, hot girl privilege. It, it is hot girl privilege. This is... At its, at its best and worst. And, and she also admits, like, in the, the New York Post piece here, that... There were times where she went out and the guy wouldn't pay for everything. They split the bill. So it's not like every single time on those six days a week on average she went out and she got free food. But she did say, her quote was, which is a lie, her quote was, even though uh, you have to put your card down, it's still a win. You get to say you went somewhere new, ate great food, and made a new connection. Come on. Well, and I've got, we could, we could extend this because I've got so many questions. Are some of the dates that she goes on just uh, let's have Netflix and chill where you order in food and then she has leftovers for a couple days Maybe. because we're talking no groceries. So she's either one eating once a day on the date at night or two mixing that in with guys ordering in for her on, you know, Uber eats or whatever to where she has leftovers for the rest of the week or for another day or two. Hey, she said she saved thousands doing this. Hutton, we should workshop this thing. This needs to be a series. But I, I would also, watch this series. But also, I feel like even like if you are single and dating, you're basically doing this too on a daily basis if you're female. By and large, the dude's paying. Yeah. So what oh, she's doing is not revolutionary. Right. Well, you could always say, I saved this much on groceries because I'm single and dating. But rarely has anyone taken to this level where they said, I'm not spending any money on groceries for two years. That's the next step. Yeah. Chad, we get Matty Ice trying this. Matt, do it. Coward. Headlines next, including Saban hiring two new coordinators. <laughs>